As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey everybody, it's Civilized Barking, Indianapolis. Where it's still winter, but it feels like it's about 70 degrees. Zach Jackson and Jason Lloyd in various corners of the city and convention center and wherever. Um, it's a hell of a complex here, Jason. It's a hell of an event. Um, it is Tuesday, so it's really early in the week um, as far as what goes on. You know, I, I say it all the time. It's not a made-for-TV event. The most important stuff that goes on here goes on way beyond where any cameras or any <laughs> nosy reporters can get, right? But... Um, it gets football back in the bloodstream. It gets football back in the consciousness. Just an hour or so ago, we heard Andrew Barry talk on a variety of subjects. He was very Andrew Barry on most of them, including what we want to talk about. So we will get to Nick Chubb and Deshaun Watson and all of that. Um, there was a little bit of news, and that is a very smart, very simple, I think. Um, sometimes smart and simple are the same thing here. Proposal by the Browns to move the NFL's trade deadline back. It would generate more interest, which matters to the league. It would generate the opportunity for more teams to make moves, right, and load up their rosters. And I think in an era where teams have started to utilize the trade more and, um, you know, the Browns being one of them, I just thought I, I was I didn't know that it was coming. And, and Barry still doesn't know for sure that it'll get voted on next month in Orlando. But it just makes a lot of sense to move it back two weeks. Yeah, and Andrew sort of laid out why if you look at the other leagues. Uh, they're well over 50% through the season. One of the leagues, I forget, he said we're like 65% of the way up between baseball and, and basketball. And the NFL is not even at the halfway point of the schedule. So it's one of those slap your forehead, why don't we think of that sooner type moves. He said there is more GMs that are against it than you would think. But he said it, he went into the reasons why it would sound sarcastic. So he wanted to avoid it. Uh, but I, I, I I tend to think it makes a lot of sense to to push it back. Um, it would create the opportunity for more moves. It would keep more teams in it longer, and teams wouldn't have to decide early as early if they're in or if they're out. So, I, I mean, I'm going back to the conversations we had around the trade deadline last year and how quickly it came up on them. And, you know, to go back and obviously the whole quarterback debate that we had at the trade deadline, if they had to go out and get somebody, uh, how much more comfortable would it be if they would have had an extra two weeks 
to make those decisions. So it makes a lot of sense. I hope it gets done. Yeah. And I've told this story before, and I was just trying to do some quick math, which is not my specialty. And it was over 20 years ago, so I'm old. Um, when I worked for the Browns, Butch Davis had me write an article about why trades didn't happen in the NFL, why they were so hard. It, it was the rare time that it came from the top to explain. And, you know, the logic, it, it, Butch was as full of shit as any human I've ever run across. <laughs> you guys all know that. But the logic at the time was, and, and still in a way is, like, this isn't baseball, right? You don't fly to another city and put on a uniform and go play right field or go hit against the same pitchers. Like, you know, teams put hours into their scheme and their terminology and their team bonding and all of that. And and it's hard. But, you know, what's changed is a little bit of, um, you know, an analytic approach with, with the contracts and the way the NFL is structured. But it's more like, hey, we only get so many opportunities to make our team better. And Andrew Barry is not the only young, aggressive GM. And when you can do that and you can move around um, assets in certain ways with how you manipulate the cap or what you do with the picks, which I think are valuable, um, it makes sense. You know, and shoot, guys, I mean, it's 2024. The Brock Eiswaller trade was seven years ago, you know, and that was one of its own. uh, That it still has not really been replicated. I don't think, not on a large scale anyway. Certainly teams have have sold picks in a certain way, but um, you know, it's, it's, it's a way to think about it. And I just, I, I agree like two more weeks in, you have a better feel for where you are and, you know, eventually you do have to go for it. Right. I think the first rounds of analytics administration with Sashi Brown, I mean, they had holes and lots of fix in a lot of ways, Jason, but they were just tearing it down. They had no idea how or when to go for it. And now Barry is very much in the go for it mode and has to be, and I think he's not only looking out for himself, he's just saying, hey, in general, like, why shouldn't we? He knows they were, let, let me interrupt my own ramble by saying this. He knows they were lucky as hell to find Joe Flacco last year on Thanksgiving, yeah. <laughs> right? So he's saying we need, if we lose our tight end, our corner, whomever it may be, rarely is it going to be the quarterback, right? Um, we need more flexibility and it just makes sense. Uh, what else stood out to you from today? I felt like he covered a couple different topics. Um, what am I missing? There was a couple other well, news. Ready. I'll say this. I I still believe there's a 90% or greater chance that Nick Chubb is going to be back on the Browns. But even oh, okay. though this guy doesn't say anything, and I'm the first to say that, um, I expected more of uh, that. And, and I know he did. He spoke in terms and called Nick what one of one or one of a billion, something like that, and is a difference maker. But I expected him to, knowing that the platform was on him and that this this is his only communication with the fans for many months, I expected him to say more in the way of, we expect Nick Chubb to be back on our team. And and, and I guess in a roundabout way, he did say that and said as much as he can. So I'm not stunned. And I'm not, again, I'm not trying to insinuate. Maybe I'm foolish for thinking that, but I kind of thought it'd be a little stronger towards, hey, we're going to get this done. Well, I think he's also, we're also inching closer to the negotiation mm-hmm. period of that. And he probably doesn't want to tip his hand one way or the other. I mean, the funny part about this whole Chubb conversation is he's under contract. So if right. they really want him to bring him back, he's under contract. Bring and back, and so. that, listen, and that gets into the cap too of they, you know, he's, he's on the cap. He's accounted for. They're not necessarily going to need the money that they're going to create from eventual restructure. Right. So it doesn't have to, they would like it to be in the next 10 days before the league year starts, but it doesn't yeah. have to be. 
you know, it, it, it just, it just doesn't. So that is, yeah. Um, I, I just, it's just funny to me that he's, he's, he's already on the roster. So you have to do this gentle dance of, yes, we want it. Well, he's on the roster. If you really want him back that badly. Yeah. Well, listen, you, you nailed the roster. Yeah. You nailed 80% of it when you said this is a negotiation and, and it's time to do that. But when he came out in January and said that he was negotiating and that's not his style to negotiate through the media, but he, yeah. you know, he, he was coming out and saying that. And that's just what it's going to be. Look, like I said, guys, I feel like in the area of 90%, that they are that Nick is going to take a slight pay cut, that it will be an incentive laden deal spread out over two or three seasons that lowers the cap number, gives Nick a chance to earn back almost everything, if not all of it, if it does go well and protects the team and the player. Um, the reality is Nick turns 29 in December. He's coming off two surgeries for a significant, significant injury. Um, there's running backs all over the place that don't make it to this age. The contract was always here. And if he comes back and is 80% of Nick Chubb, that's going to help the Browns. But guess what? It's going to be next February and March. Just as awkward this time around as it is. Yeah. This do you, right? It's, just, do it's you, the reality. Do you think the way Jerome, I mean, I, I, I think he struggled to hold on to that lead role and he had every opportunity to take it and run with it. And he just didn't do it. Do you think that changed their thinking on bringing Chubb back or do you think this was happening one way or the other? Yeah, I don't I don't know that it changed the thinking. I think you could get now a fair evaluation of Jerome Ford and he's not a number one running back. I don't think you ever thought that he was. Uh, I think Jerome Ford can still be a dynamic playmaker for this team. But yeah, when you look at it, and this is the other part you can't answer now for many reasons, specifically not knowing when Nick Chubb will be available, even if you think you're getting a good version of Nick Chubb, right? So I think um, it's going to be interesting to see, do they go dumpster diving at running back here past the first wave of free agency? Do they draft one in the fourth or fifth round and give that kid a chance to be the back of the future? Is it always going to be a committee approach? I think it is. But I think Jerome Ford, um, and I'm, I'm going to tease one of my pre-free agency articles, You know, who are the top 30 Browns players? How do Andrew Barry and his crew view them? How do they pay them? How do they keep them? Right. I think when you look at Stefanski's whole track record and Barry's whole track record, I think running back one and running back two are both valued positions. They're not the most valuable positions. There is some flexibility there. But I think when you look at what they've done, I think running back one and running back two are both going to have roles on this team. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I think, although I think they're going to throw it a lot more than they've ever thrown it before. So I don't know how many opportunities. Well, see, that that is good for Drew Ford. You know, I mean, shoot, remember the play he makes? He lines up at receiver, which is what he played in high school, and catches that yeah. ball from Deshaun early in the year. Now, that's yeah. only six months ago. It might as well be six years ago. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. But, you well, know, Jerome Ford can play in this league and can score touchdowns in this league. He's just not a between-the-tackles 16-18 carry-a-game banger. He's just not. Oh, that's a good transition to Deshaun. You know, Barry said he'll start throwing next month. I think we already knew that. Mm-hmm. It was a good confirmation, though, on that. Uh, obviously, this is rare territory here for a quarterback coming from coming back from this type of injury. They're saying all the right things to this point. We won't know till we see him at the Greenbrier, um, and that's coming quick. And I guess that was that was the other thing I was trying to think of. We can talk about later is that they are going back to the Greenbrier. But on the Deshaun thing, you know, we were talking before we started recording and i asked andrew if he felt like they had to renegotiate that deal again and he said not necessarily obviously the kite the cap spiked significantly higher than a lot of people thought 
AB said it kind of landed where they were projecting it to land. He didn't have exact numbers, but he said that's about what we were expecting it to be. Explay out and explain why it's why it's foreshadowing the future, or maybe it's not if they don't touch that contract again and let it ride for $64 million this year. Okay, so um, they've already have taken a little bit of dead money at the end, and Deshaun's money is absolutely guaranteed. And as it stands right now, he's due to make record cap numbers of $64 million in each of the last three years. And there's no out at all until the last year of that deal, right? So in total, it comes to almost $200 million that the Browns still have to account for on the cap. So if they were to restructure it, and it's written in this deal that the team can exercise its right to restructure, Deshaun's getting his money. So how he gets it uh, or how it's divvied up does not affect the flow from Jimmy Haslam's bank account to Deshaun's whatsoever or the delivery dates or anything, right? But if they restructure it and they basically cut that number in half this year, um, it pushes it down you know, into 2027 and beyond dead money, which the Browns would take on. Now, the Browns would be thinking that Deshaun's going to be their quarterback even longer than that. They would eventually redo it on their own. They wouldn't take that dead money, all of those things. Um, I still think they're going to restructure it, Jason. I think in doing so, you go from around 16 to 18 million of immediate cap space to over 40, you know, um, basically as much as you need and the chance to roll it all over like this year. You know, they, they've they operated in the 30s for much of the year. They ended up rolling over, I think, just just under 30 million will be the exact number on that. Um, but you're fully tied to Deshaun. Your ceiling is fully tied to Deshaun being healthy and playing well and being available and in, in reaching consistent levels that he's either not reached or barely reached, depending on your point of view. So, you know, I, I want to ask some people this as, as we get out in, in these combine streets and hallways here. Um, I think it's a little bit fair to wonder that if they don't do it, are they looking out for the future and saying they don't trust him? Or if they do, they do. But I think that's getting ahead because I think at the core of it, you have this fully guaranteed record contract, right? That you have to operate with anyway. And you have to, you're, you're forced to assume that he's going to be good and you have to operate with keeping in mind that you have to win now, not just with him and the others. I mean, Guys, the highest paid player by cap this year was Pat Mahomes at 38. So he's going to be almost there, whether they restructure it or not. It does seem absurd that he would play over it. This is what they've signed up for. Just comes back to he's got to play well. He's got to be on the field. Um, did I do a decent job of explaining that? Yeah, and if they don't touch it, if they let it ride, and they take $6 million off Nick Chubb, what does that leave them, and is that enough room to operate? Yeah, so year? that that immediately puts them over twenty in the twenty five ish range, right? And then they can cut. Um, who's the third tight end? Jordan Akins. That's two more. They can cut some backup offensive. You know, then they're at thirty. So what? What they were prepared for the cap raise, and they were ahead of it, and they were smart with it, and smarter because the main guys that they used the the cash advances for last year to push these numbers forward were Miles, who obviously had a monster season, David Njoku, who finally had a monster season, Teller and Batonio, who remain, you know, right now, arguably the best duo in the league. Maybe not, maybe not even arguably. So that so they got it right. And, th and that's what this comes down to. Everybody's spending. The Browns are willing to spend more. We got to credit the Haslams for that. 
you spend it in the right places, makes it easier, A, to use your flexibility, and B, all of a sudden you're good and, and you're doing this from a position of strength, right? Like people are excited about free agency and you can immediately look to wide receiver and defensive tackle, but this is already a good team. And, and I'm inclined to think, Jason, that mostly they're going to spend this available money on their own players. And there's two waves of that. That's bringing back Zadarius Smith. That's bringing back either Taki Taki or Anthony Walker. And then that's extending JOK. That's not having to entertain the thought of trading Greg Newsom. If you really like the punter, that's keeping the punter. If you really like Maurice Hurst, that's keeping Maurice Hurst. That's all the things you can do with this extra money. And then why I think they will create the extra and have the rollover is just in case. So if the right situation is there for that number one A-list receiver, for that number one A-list pass rusher who's four to six years younger than Zadarius Smith, then you go for it because you're already going for it anyway. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. A uh, couple other things to note. I mentioned earlier they're going back to the Greenbrier about the same amount of time as before. No updates on the Brazil game. Uh, I know how much you love Lewisburg, West Virginia. Your thoughts on going back to the Greenbrier? Yeah, well, I think it's interesting. And again, I don't want to get ahead of myself here. Um, I think by scrimmaging the Vikings, they're saying that they're playing the Eagles in week one. Right? Yeah, that was the other thing. Yeah, that they there are joint practices. Minnesota's coming here. Yeah. Sorry, I forgot that. Because they didn't have any problems. I mean, there was one fight last year, at the end, but they didn't have any problems. Sir, the, the head coaches are the same. Stefanski loved taking his team back to his hometown, as anybody would, right? Sirianni loved coming back to Northeast Ohio, as anybody would. Like, that was a good relationship. So, um, you know, the Browns have an, uh, the unbalanced schedule this year is the Browns have one more road game. So playing in Brazil would be obviously unique. There hasn't been a Friday night game in the NFL since the 1950s. Um, there's never been an NFL game in Brazil. And it would be one less true road game, which, you know, considering what you think of, or depending on what you think of home field advantage in the NFL, um, that could matter. So they have it structured now. And this is the benefit of continuity and keeping the same people, knowing what you're doing. They want to, in the years that they have two preseason home games, and one more regular season road game, they want to host joint practices. In the other years, they're willing to go on the road. So I think last year with the Hall of Fame game and the L.A. double and all of that stuff, it was just an extreme circumstance. But, um, you know, Barry always tries to start with a monologue and tries to shift the discussion, even though he knows he's not ultimately going to. But he got up there today, and what did he start with? We have gone over everything from how we treat our players to how we've – prepped for the draft to how we've spent money to how we need to spend money. 
And, you know, they like going to the Greenbrier. They thought it was a part of their success. Why Kevin couldn't just answer the damn question in December when I asked him? I don't know. <laughs> right? <laughs> but, like, they they believe in that. So even though they have six less training camp practices this year, they're going to spend it, six to eight of them at the Greenbrier because they think there's benefit from that. And, yeah. I, you know, I, I not just results-based, just feel-based, I think. I'd be hard pressed to disagree. So it will be a challenge, obviously, if you have to fly to Brazil and, and you, you play that game. Um, there was two things. There were two reasons that I wasn't sure they were going to be the Brazil team. One was I it's it's going to be a huge marquee game. I wasn't sure the NFL wanted Deshaun Watson in that spot. And two, yep. we know they're host, hosting that concert in week two. So will they open up the year with back-to-back road games? That's not ideal for the fan base, but when you play one more road game, Anyway, like it has to happen somewhere, right? So that concert's on Friday night. They could still host a Monday game. It seems weird that they'd be a team with double national games to start when they only had two national games last year. But sometimes this how this is how it goes. And I think with the success that they had um, with the opponents, with Dallas, KC, Jim Harbaugh, Philly, all on the slate, I think you're going to see at least four um, national games this year, maybe more than that. Because every game in this division is a marquee game, and especially if the Steelers get a real quarterback, right? So uh, we will see how that goes. And the most imp- most interesting thing you said there was that the league is willing to put Deshaun Watson on national TV. His his time in in Siberia seems to be over, and they seem to be comfortable with the idea of at least letting him represent them. I mean, think about that first game ever played in Brazil, in a country that uh, I'm sure that the NFL would like to tap into, and that's the guy you're sending over there. Yeah, it says a lot about the NFL. Yeah, and it's not official, but yeah, that that is strange. I I just it's not something that would have happened a year ago. You know, it just it just was chance. It it was certainly coming to the time in 24 or 25 where the Browns rotation in an overseas game was coming up Uh, and they do play Jacksonville in Jacksonville this year. So London made sense. And then the Brazil was first started. And I just thought, wow, I I just was surprised, not stunned um, because they look when you win 11 games. And you have the star power that they've accumulated, then then you should be a team that plays on TV. But yeah, let's let's not run from that. That is, it stands out as a little bit of a wow. Um, uh, Darius Smith back or no? I'm leaning towards back. I don't think it's going to be immediate. I just don't think that. Um, I think very rare is the 32 year old free agent who signs immediately. You know, unless the Browns think that, that he has plans to go somewhere else. Um. You know, I had thought maybe no, maybe they learned from the clowny thing, but by all accounts, Zadarius was a good soldier last year. He was a good player. Um, and so, you know, I I think if they do make a surprising breakthrough, huge dollar move um in the first 12 hours of free agency, it's probably more likely to be on the D-line than at wide receiver. That's just my gut feel, but in, in both cases or in either case, I guess, I'm not sure that guy is there and I'm not sure that's the Browns MO. I mean, what they're doing is is doing their evaluations to have multiple plans. And then you don't zero in on the two or three plans that you actually plan to put into work until like the day before it starts because you just don't know. And, you know, I think league wide, Jason, I mean, it jumps off the page. Your team just got $30 million, right? But that means every team got it. So I think league wide, it will probably limit the number of guys who actually hit the market, whether teams use that for restructures or whatever. Now, some teams are in cap hell and will use it to just get cleaned up and move forward. You know, some teams 
will not be good and will be willing to let older players walk or will be willing to look at, um, you know, trading guys. But I think in general, I think fewer, um, quote, star players or high quality players will hit the market. Do you, I'm just curious as we're on this topic. Do you think the, with, the, with the cap surge, is the top going to get even more and everything else is going to remain status quo? Or do guys in the middle and the bottom going to get a little bit more out of this? You know, that's a good question. I think it's going to depend on timing. I, I think the JOKs and Greg Newsom's of the world will benefit, you know. Um, it'll be interesting because linebacker is the position the Browns least value. But I think the guy earned it, right? And I think what he's Absolutely. about and the way he brought it every week makes him a priority. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to do the extension on March 13th. I think it's going to be in June or July. But I think he's earned it. I think that's a good message to send to your locker room, right? I think you give Miles a raise somewhere along the way, and we'll see. Uh, I never expected. I'm good. Thank you. Um, <laughs> housekeeping, of course. Housekeeping. <laughs> um <laughs> I never expected Miles or Mike Evans to be allowed to leave by the Bucks, right? Um, you know, I think the teams, KC being obviously the one and some others that have reached the real elite status will will still be in position to chase some guys. But you know, I'm just most curious to know how the Browns evaluate Zadarius Smith, how they evaluate the state of their D-line with half of the rotation becoming free agents and really three of the four being guys who are 30 or near 30 or, you know, certainly would be one year situations. Shelby Harris is older than Zedarius Smith. He played his ass off last year. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. um, yeah, that, that's going to be interesting. Um, and I really do believe that in the draft, you know, they don't look at it like we have this need, like they look at it, like we want good players for the future, but with this team, like if they if they stay in the middle of the second round and don't draft a wide receiver or a pass rusher, you'll, you'll be stunned. Not even surprised. You'll be stunned. You have to be, I yeah. think now might they trade that pick for a marquee player. And then you just hope like hell it works out better than Elijah Moore has to this point. Yeah. Um, and I think that's probably likely I, he's done it. He's traded out in both years in in, in one way or another. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think I'm just expecting to see a little more of, of the Browns concentrating on their own guys and then maybe spending it in one place um, rather than saying, hey, you know, we're going to go and, we, and, and chase down one of these big names. Because I'm not sure. I knew T. Higgins was never an option for the Browns. Sure. And, and sure. I'm not sure any like quote, quote unquote, star receiver is going to be. Uh, while we're talking about extensions, are you surprised nothing's happened yet with Kevin and Andrew? Because I am. I, I'm I'm mildly surprised that they haven't gotten extensions yet. I imagine it's still coming, but I don't know why it had not even done. Yeah, now maybe it has, and we don't know. Um, just how this they operate, right? Yeah. Um, I would I would say surprised, and if it doesn't happen by the time we go to the Greenbrier, then I'm both. Stunned, as you said, and curious. Uh, and I'm a little curious now, right? Um, but, you know, this isn't college where state U signs a guy and it goes on the books. It's it's just kind of how, how that goes. And we know Kevin would rather visit the dentist's office down here, downtown Indianapolis, than tell anybody anything that <laughs> pertains to him being in the spotlight, right? So uh, that's just, that's how I view it. Is there any... 
You know, Kevin, Andrew was asked straight up today, what's a bigger need for you, wide receiver or defensive tackle? And he said all of the above. He gives yeah. his canned answer on we approach it like we're an expansion team, which is mostly bullshit. It's easy to call bullshit on. Um, he is taking you in their evaluation process there where they they use that approach to hopefully identify problem areas or strengths from which they could trade or operate or move. Um, again, I think it's a good roster. I think the continuity helped them have the year they had last year. I think the coaching helped them have the year last year. And I think they're positioned to be pretty good again. I have a weird vibe about a couple things. One being what the hell happened with the offensive staff and two being why the defense that was so good just wasn't there when it counted the most because they were good enough that that was extremely disappointing and head scratching. And those are things we can get into tomorrow with Kevin. I'm sure he'd be happy to answer all of those. Huh? <laughs> yes. Maybe he'll invite <laughs> us to the dentist's office. After. <laughs> oh, good stuff. All, all right. 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 Um, get us out of here. Yeah. All right. One, one thing for you on the way out, because I'm become I'm slowly, but surely becoming more of an attached Cavs observer. Um, yeah. Is this team a pretender or a contender? I don't think they can win the East. Uh, but they can, can, can they confidently win a series and contend in a second one? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I think okay. that's, that's very viable and legitimate. I like the way that they play with two bigs in the front court. Yes, they're small in the back court, but you can get away with that when you've got two defensive presences like Jared and Evan. And I, I think they're legit. I think it'll be a fun team and I have to wait and see how it ends, but I'm writing after the season. Donovan needs to sign the extension. And it doesn't mean he's going to end his career here. It doesn't mean he's going to see the entire full extension here. But it kicks the can down the road and gives everybody an, an extra year. Now, whether or not he's going to do that, I have no idea. But I think this summer, unless they get blown out in the first round again, in which case there's a lot of people getting fired and traded, yeah, then then I think he needs to sign the extension and give them one more year. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the way I view it is, um, you know, I, I enjoy watching it and I, and I think the way they've played for a couple months has been fun. The times I've sat down and watched, they've played a really fun style, but it's like, man, win it, win a series or yikes. That's just, that's just the, the reality of it. A lot of people are packing. If they don't win a series, a lot of people are calling moving trucks. They got to win at least one series. All right. Well, we're not calling the moving trucks out of Indy for at least another 36 or 48 hours. There's work to do. There's stuff to answer. Click on and read. Thank you guys for reading, listening, following all of that. Uh, the journey is just beginning. So whenever you're listening to this, March 11th is the first day of free agency. I'm sure you remember well, two years ago when they made the trade for Amari Cooper, two days before that day came. But March 11th is the first day that you're legally allowed to negotiate with other players. March 13th is the day that you have to be where you are with the cap and the contracts and, and all of that. So um, there's not a deadline on Chubb. Uh, you know, if they would do Watson before that, to, to free up that space, but it's not like if they were suddenly at 40 million of cap space that they would spend 35 of it on the first day. I just do not see that coming, but uh, we'll try to keep you abreast of what we see coming, what, what we did see, what we didn't. And all of that is the Browns try to uh, spin it forward, keep this window open and become a legit contender. Thank you for listening to civilized bargaining.